Welcome to Draft Utopia. The NFL season's underway. Um, this is Chris Ransom. Orange here. He's back with me, and we're going to record another episode. And Orange had a great idea before the start of the podcast off the air. Um, it was ranked the top 16 teams in the league from 16 to 1 after two weeks. I thought that was a great idea, so... Why don't Yeah, so let 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 you. uh I'm gonna kinda go backwards and we're gonna start with number sixteen. I, I, I don't I forgot exactly who I gave you in when we were talking off the air. Uh but I'm gonna go at number sixteen. I'm gonna make a tie here. I'm gonna, the first one is kinda seventeen, but I'm gonna make it a tie because I'm looking at the New York Giants. Um because I know we talked about them and I moved them up and down, um, but we talked about them. I do want to put it on our list. Um, they are one and one, but they had a surprise uh, win. Um, so we'll see how they go up against Dallas. And that's why I'm putting here at number 16. Actually, the Giants are one of six two and O teams. They're one of six teams in the NFL uh, okay. without a two, loss. Two, uh, yeah, okay, 2-0. Oh, I'm sorry. No problem, but I get why he put them at 16. I had them at 21 in my power rankings, and I think um, Tony Mario has them at 11. So 16's a good medium, because if I have them at 21 and Tony has them at 11, 16's the median of 21 and 11. It's the median. That's basic math. You learn about medians and algebra. So, yeah, I... Who's next on your rankings? I don't want to bore our audience with an algebra lesson. Number 15, New Orleans Saints. I don't know. James Winston is still is not capable of leading this team. Uh, but they are the Saints. I don't think they're going to go anywhere this year. He's just still a very big turnover machine, and that could cost uh, them in the season uh, later on. That's interesting. Um I had the New Orleans Saints at, I had the New Orleans Saints, I don't know where I had New Orleans to be honest, because I'm looking at them right now, I had them at 12, You so I'm a little bit higher on them than you are, but that's because I had them making the playoffs as a wild card, and I still think that's realistic possibility. The Saints only have injuries at left tackle with petting status unknown, and Paulson Adebo's missed the first two games. But everybody else on that defense and that offense is healthy. There's no injuries. And yeah, if New Orleans can beat the opponents they're supposed to beat, they've got a shot at maybe getting a wild card spot. But yeah, I, I agree. New Orleans is definitely in the top half of the league. I mean, so... I've got them at 12, Tony's got them at 22, and you got them at 15. Who's your number 14 team? I'm going to go with a surprise one here. Um, I'm going to go with Jared Goff's team, the Detroit Lions. Uh, I just I, I, I didn't take them last week in our picks, so and they did pull out a win. So I'm going to take them, and I do uh, like their offensive coordinator, uh, Ben Johnson. Yep, I, I, I agree. I mean, even though they're 20 in my rankings and Tony's, I do have the Lions going 9-8 and eight and getting the final wild card in the NFC. So I, I can respect the fact that you put them at 14 because I think that's kind of where they're going to end up at the end of the season. Um. I, I kind of, um, I'm dreading here to put these guys, uh, I'm twisting up these, uh, I don't know. Well, somebody's going to be out of this one and somebody's going to be in the top. So I'm going to just mention both of them and they're big time old rivals, but they're not in the same conference or by any means. Um, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers here at number 13, or 14, excuse me, right? Or 13, right? 
13. Yes. And, um, but I think it's time for Kenny Pickett to step in on this uh, third game. And because the Steelers are a great team, they got a great coach. It's just the, the wrong quarterback. We've been seeing too much of Mitchell Trubinsky. Um, and that I'm, I would tie them with Cowboys, but I'm going to take the Cowboys off my list because I don't think they're going to do, do well until Dak Prescott returns. Um, otherwise, I would put them at this number 13 spot, and really they would be now they're going to be pretty much my uh, number 17. Um, I'm going to go with um, number 12 on my list will be the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and I, Trey Lance got lucky, but Jimmy Garoppolo now is uh, 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 back, <laughs> we can say. So we'll see how the 49ers survive uh, during the season. Yeah, I had the forty. I had the forty niners at eleven. I do have them finishing eight and nine, but I did have them. I do think they are at number eleven right now because they they do. And Pittsburgh, I had at sixteen, and I agree with you entirely about Trubisky holding the team back. Matt Canada's play calling is predictable, and it's a shame because Mike Tomlin said at his press conference that. Unless Trubisky gets injured, we're rolling with Trubisky. We're we're gonna redshirt pick it like the Bengals did when they had Carson Palmer, when the Chiefs did, when they had Patrick Mahomes, and I don't agree with that being the right decision. And I know most of our staff actually believes Kenny Pickett would give the Pittsburgh Steelers the best chance to win right now. So, But there's others who think that waiting until Pittsburgh improves their supporting cast and putting Pickett in would be advantageous too. So... Those were 13 and 12. Who missed the, your top 10? Uh, well, oh gosh, there's so many teams now I've been trying to go through. Um, the 12 and 11 spots. Well, then that, that, I did give the 12. 12 was the 49ers. So 12 was 11, the 49ers, and 13 was Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, so 11, the last one before I get into the top 10, is going to be the Denver Broncos. Um, but uh, they haven't, uh, they still need to turn a lot of things. They turned a lot of things around last week, I believe, and they still have uh, a lot of things to get before they get on a level like the Chargers and the Chiefs have. Yeah, I put them at 14. I ranked them a little bit lower, and part of it's due to the fact that the Hackett called a 50-64 yard field goal when Brandon McManus has never made a field goal past 60 yards. He calls a 64 yard field goal. He burns the clock down to one second, and then he burns his first of three timeouts. I thought the game management in that opener was bad. And the fact that Houston was leading Denver 9-6 to six after three quarters of play, that does raise some level of concern. And it's strange, because heading into this, I thought Nathaniel Hackett was going to be the best coaching hire of them all, because he was Green Bay's offensive coordinator. But he's turned out to be the worst of the 2022 head coaches so far. He's been the sloppiest, but you know there's still time for him to turn things around. So... I'm interested to see how he's going to handle this adversity with Judy injured, with Sir Patrick Sertan injured, Justin Simmons is on IR. How is he going to handle this adversity with Seattle's first Sunday night game of the year against San Francisco coming up? You've got two teams in that that just missed your top 10 that are going to be playing on Sunday night, and we'll break that down yeah. later. So why don't you give us your top 10? I'm going to give you my... Uh... I have no idea why he's, I don't know why I have them. But the worst quarterback in the NFL is just cutting up the number 10. Kirk Cousins joins Vikings, but uh, realistically, I just don't see them getting into the postseason. But I'm going to give him the number 10 here. And their rival, a little bit up north, the Green Bay Packers in number 9 with a win over Chicago. They ain't sleeping. 
But they do have a big game this Sunday. We'll go over that uh, shortly. And if they can pull that one off, uh, they will be even higher and back where they should be. Um, making to my uh, number eight are the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I, I love this. I think there's still a very good possibility to win their division. Um, they did sign two players today off of free agency, Ord. I would just like to break that news really quickly before we get to number seven. The two players they signed are Jason Pierre-Paul, Mr. Fireworks guy. He's the guy who accidentally blew up his hand while launching a fireworks, but he was on the Buccaneers Super Bowl 55 team as an edge rusher. And the other player they signed is 34 inside linebacker Blake Martinez, who led the, led the New York Giants in tackles when he was fully healthy before injuries plagued him the last two years. He was also a tackling machine on the Green Bay Packers back in the day. The 2016 second-round pick out of Stanford now is on his third NFL team. And, you know, something tells me he's going to work out in Baltimore on a one-year prove-it deal because they don't really have that second linebacker next to Patrick Queen. They benched their second-round pick, Malik Harrison, for Josh Bynes. I'm not really that high on Josh Bynes. So I like the addition of bringing in Blake Martinez. If he can pull it together... He could be a very good complimentary starter to third-year first-round pick Patrick Queen, their 2020 first-round pick at LSU. And if those two pieces, Pierre Paul and Blake Martinez, pan out, those might be the two missing pieces the Ravens need to win the AFC North once Ronnie Stanley and J.K. Dobbins come back from injuries. Because Lamar's playing at a level where he could challenge for MVP once his supporting cast comes back right now. Anything you want to add to that before we get to number seven? No, I mean, you, you're pretty much on the money. I don't think you missed too much. Um, the only thing they could beat is themselves. The corners yeah, struggled, they, they, but it was their first game back from an injury. But blowing a 35-14 yeah. lead's inexcusable, so we'll just get to number seven. Number seven and number six, they both live in the same city. So we're going to go to the Los Angeles Rams, the Super Bowl champions, Matthew Stanford. Even though he throws a bunch of interceptions, he does come around and score touchdowns. And he uh, dominated last week as he blew up the Ram uh, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, but anyway, uh, the Rams, I'm going with number seven. And right ahead of them is their crosstown rival, the Los Angeles Chargers, the same place uh, that actually they play. Um, and those bolts... Uh, lost to the Chiefs, but that's maybe because it's, it's a couple of penalties. Um, you know, I, I just feel that just they're still they're still in the race for the AFC West. I think that's gonna be really tight between the Chiefs and the Chargers all all year. Uh, I don't I'm not uh, putting that down. Now my surprise number five because actually we didn't think Five and four would be here at this top. So I'm going to come in top number five is this wonderful fly eagle slide. Da, 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 da. It's about time they got in this crazy nut, but Jalen Hurts looks like a veteran now, and I love the way he's playing. Uh, so the NFL might have a new, uh, new opportunity, but the birds look like uh, contenders what do you think the eagles don't play the packers until week 12 and while i do have the packers beating the chiefs in the super bowl and i've got the bills and buccaneers losing the conference championship week i think the last team to lose a regular season game just might be the team you mentioned the philadelphia eagles they get a lot of opponents at home they get dallas at home without prescott they get washington on the road they get houston they benefit from playing the AFC South division as well as they they play a lot of the teams that I think they get the entire NFC West NFC North division this year. They get they played Green they played Detroit already. They played Minnesota already. So I think they get Chicago at home or Chicago on the road, and then they get Green Bay at home. So I mean, right now the Philadelphia Eagles they're in a really good position where they get. They already took care of business against two of those NFC North teams. They get the NFC East division without Dak Prescott. 
and they don't have to play Dallas in Dallas until week 16. And they also get to play the entire AFC South division. So they have a window of opportunity to try to get the one seed in the NFC because the Buccaneers have a tough, tough strength of schedule, even though, and some injuries on the offense along with the Mike Evans suspension. We'll get to the Buccaneers in a second. And the Packers, even though they're my pick to win the Super Bowl, them losing in week one of the Vikings, you can make an argument that right now the Eagles deserve to be ranked ahead of the Packers, and nobody's going to disagree with that. Who's, who is... Did Miami come in at number four by any chance in your rankings? Because I had them at five. If Tony had them at six, uh, I, I have them. At, I have this other surprise team. We did not know they were going to be this good. Tua has surprised his doubters. The Dolphins are very. They, you know, they wanted a different quarterbacks. You know, all the last couple. Of years. No, Tua is doing great. They got their receivers, Hill and Wallop. I mean, these helps. So six touchdowns, passes, and a comeback win against Baltimore, guys. The Dolphins look real, and they're impressive. And I see them holding on to this spot. And I don't know if they compete with the Bills in the same division. Unfortunately, they do. I'm waiting for that game to come up. Because here's the thing with the Dolphins really quickly. I had them going 12-5, and getting the first wild card in the AFC. But they beat one of the teams that I thought they were going to lose to in Baltimore. And they did it in such an impressive way to the point where it's like, you know, if they beat Buffalo this week, they actually have an outside chance at winning the AFC East division because their schedule's easier than the Bills. The Bills have to play Kansas City, Baltimore, and Cincinnati on the road later in the year. And they still got to deal with the Patriots on the road, which is always rough in November or December. You can say what you want about Belichick. I agree. He's not the same without Brady. But, you know, that's always that's a potential trap game. But, you know, the Dolphins look amazing right now. And they do. If they can beat the Bills on Sunday, they're going to have a window of opportunity to pull away from the Bills in this division. But it's it's I still think it's Buffalo's division to lose. But I think they... The Dolphins burn the right to be in the top five, at least heading into week three right now. Yep. Uh, well, the unfortunately, the unfortunate, Tom Brady is still in the top five. Number three will be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And again, they're 2-0, and if you haven't been watching. Uh, I don't think Tom Brady has looked great this season as of yet even to his standards um, but I think the defense uh, by Todd Bells is really impressive they have only allowed 13 points the whole season that's pretty good in two games yeah the defense is fully healthy unlike last year there were injuries from week one with this defense defense was fully healthy the first two games and then, then today we found out Akeem Hicks had a placeral tear in his foot or something, so he's going to be out four weeks. But Logan Hall, who came in as a relief player for William Golston week one, one-on-one-on-one against Zach Martin, arguably the best right guard in the NFL, is going to get a chance to play those next four games. The player the Buccaneers got with their very first pick at pick 33 to start the second round, he's going to start those next four games and he's going to have a chance to try to win one of the starting jobs. So it could be very easily be Akeem Hicks and Logan Hall starting when Hicks comes back in a few weeks. But the Buccaneers, I had them and Green Bay both going 15-2. and two. But Tampa Bay's two toughest games on the schedule. They get Green Bay at home. They get Kansas City at home as well. I think they'll beat Kansas City and lose to Green Bay. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Nothing's really guaranteed, and I think Tampa Bay has one other really tough opponent. They get the Rams on the road in L.A. later this year. So, you know, we'll see how the Buccaneers do moving forward. But I'm a little bit concerned about the offense because Mike Evans is out, Godwin's on IR, three offensive linemen are injured, including the center, Ryan Jensen, the left tackle, Donovan Smith. And that's really why the Buccaneers have struggled. That and Brady's rough start. I don't know if the divorce rumors have anything to do with that, but 
It is what it is. The Buccaneers still have a are, what might be the best defense in the NFC, but I think we can agree right now they're a notch below the top two AFC teams who had the best playoff game of any playoff game in 2022 <laughs> easily. Let's get to those number two, one, two. I'm going to give... Okay, Kansas City Chiefs are my number two. Patrick Mahomes through two games has seven touchdowns and guess what? Zero interceptions. Quite impressive. It was a great impressive win over the Bolts that we just spoke about not too long ago. Um, I think they were my number six. And they look like they're on their way to the seventh uh, straight AFC West uh, title there. Um, and then the number one power ranking of the third week is the Buffalo Bills. Josh McDaniel. Um, so the Bills look like Super Bowl champs. I mean, the way they're playing is very impressive. Um, Even if you think the Chiefs are going to beat the Bills in the playoffs, I just simply couldn't bring myself to rank the Chiefs ahead of the Bills right now. 31-10 against the Super Bowl champions, and then 41-7 against the team that got the number one seed in the AFC last year. Those are both statement wins. And those statement wins separate the Bills from the Chiefs right now, despite Kansas City's overtime victory over the Bills in last year's playoffs. That's just the bottom line, or I think we can agree on that. That is for sure. And uh, I think uh, that's our power ranking. Let's move into, while we're speaking, we're going to go back to the games, but let's uh, talk about college football for a bit. Um, you gave me a couple of games. I, wanna, I gave you um, a list of seven games. I'll read through some of the games, and why don't you tell me if you want to break that game down or not, or if you want to pass that game. The first game features two 3-0 teams. Neither one is ranked, but these basketball programs, Kansas and Duke, they're both 3-0. They're playing in Lawrence, Kansas, and whoever wins that game is going to be 4-0. And to be fair, I thought both Duke and Kansas were going to finish dead last in their conferences. I had, when I read the Athlon Sports College Football Magazine, I read the depth charts of both teams. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a long season for Kansas and Duke. These schools need to focus on basketball. They're both 3-0, and and whoever wins is going to be 4-0 heading into conference play. So I think that's kind of cool that one of those programs will be 4-0, and all they have to do is win two conference games, and they're in a bowl game. They don't have to do a lot if they start 4-0, which is huge for both Duke and Kansas. It's big for their football yeah, program. That's that's a pretty uh, cool, get, good game. Uh, I'm going to take Kansas because they beat West Virginia in conference play in overtime, and I think yeah. that's a more impressive win than anything Duke has done so far, and I'm the biggest Duke college basketball fan on the planet, but it's like, <laughs> realistically, Duke's played Temple, Northwestern, and North Carolina AT&T, and Kansas, I think Kansas beating West Virginia, a team that yeah. actually pushed Pittsburgh to the limit in week one at Act Reserve Stadium, and it was a road win at West Virginia in Morgantown in a pretty loud environment. It wasn't a home game, it was a road win, and then they beat Houston on the road as well. So now you got Kansas. They are four three and zero. They've got a chance to be four zero. They were projected to finish the year four and eight, and they actually started three and zero. So I, I give them credit in that regard. And you know I really like their safety, Kenny Logan Jr. He's a senior strong safety, and he's a guy who has a chance to get drafted. Last year, Kenny Logan Jr. finished as a weapon on kickoff returns, averaging 27.9 yards per return. And he also led the Kansas Jayhawks with 113 total tackles at strong safety. So I think Kenny Logan Jr. is going to step up to the plate, and he is going to be a difference maker for the Kansas Jayhawks. Probably their best player on secondary since Aqib Tlaib. That is no joke. So 
Yeah, I yeah, like I the. Mean, I, go, I definitely go with Kansas here too as well. I think um, that would be a very impressive. But uh, yeah, I haven't really been paying attention to Duke because there's so many other people in their conference that you would think that much better than them. And speaking of other teams in their conference, we have two three no squads battling it out in the state of North Carolina. Clemson heads to Wake Forest this weekend. Both teams are three and zero. And last year, Wake Forest defeated Clemson 48-27 to in Death Valley. That was without their star defensive tackle, Brian Brees, who was out all of last year. And very classy gesture by Louisiana Tech, sending letters and condolences after Brian Brees' little sister died of uh, brain cancer. So, you know, I think we're going to see Clemson. Clemson's defensive line is fully healthy. I am taking Clemson in this one. I mean, there were two games Sam Howell lost, the North Carolina game and the Clemson game. And the decision-making, while it was good, it was not great. And something tells me this Clemson team is here to compete. They're going to try to do everything in their power to make the college football playoff. And you got Xavier Thomas, Miles Murphy, Brian Brees, and Tyler Davis You've got as many as three or four guys that could go in the top 100 of the NFL draft in the defensive line, along with Trent Simpson at linebacker. So I really think Clemson's going to win this game, and they're going to find a way to overwhelm Wake Forest. But if Hartman can connect with A.T. Perry at wide receiver, Wake's got a chance to pull a home upset. But I'm taking Clemson here. I just think there's too much talent on that defensive line. Yeah, I mean, Clemson, well... I mean, if the Demon Deacons can win, I'd be very impressive. They lost, the, I think, the, like the last 12 or 13 meetings against the Tigers. So I think Clemson is basically, it's their, their offense and their defense, very, very impressive. Um, the Clemson has only allowed, I think, 14 points in the last uh, three games. And Clemson, I just feel they're definitely going to, I'm going to say 38-10 here. Domination. Yeah. I'll go 31-3, maybe 31-7, I don't know. I'll go 31-7. I just like Clemson in this one. Um, I think the 3-30 game is the game college game day is at. It is... um, it features Florida and Tennessee. Tennessee is favored by double digits for the first time ever. Anthony Richardson has not thrown a passing touchdown despite getting the hype of a first-round draft pick. And the quarterback I saw in person two weeks ago at Acreser Stadium was Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker, who led Tennessee to a overtime win over the Pittsburgh Panthers. And it was an incredible game. First football game where I ever saw two teams play in overtime in person when you see two teams play in overtime on tv it's one thing but when you see them play in person you've got tennis just as many tennessee fans as you have Pitt fans you have tennessee fans singing rocky top tennessee at pirates games and then you have pirates fans singing sweet home alabama hoping to shut the tennessee fans up you know you have a rivalry of epic proportions and I would argue this this Tennessee Pitt rivalry. Both programs had Johnny Majors as a head coach at one point, but this rivalry, known as the Johnny Majors Classic, it felt like a Raven Steelers game with all the energy, with all the passion for both fan bases. And I'm going to take Tennessee to win. Tennessee is my dad's alma mater. I I think the first college football team I liked was Florida because of the Gator on their logo. But I'm going to take Tennessee to win. I think. My dad's alma mater gets the job done and improves to 4-0. I really like what Josh Heupel's done with this Tennessee program. They've got Cedric Tillman at receiver, Jeremy Banks at linebacker, I and Darnell Wright at left tackle. I'm taking the balls. I think the volunteers improved to 4-0. Yeah. Um, well, the Vegas the, the main thing, I mean, you really have to go and see right now, this is going to be a battle of the two quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson and Hendon Hooker. I think Anthony Richardson's better hold on to the ball here. He cannot drop the ball against Tennessee. Just Tennessee were overwhelmed the Gators. And 
basically will go up, uh, you know, right down the field. Florida has won, yes, the last five meetings, but that pretty much is meaningless to me. I think Tennessee wins here 35-20. to 20. I'll go 35-21, to 21, but if Florida is going to win, Anthony Richardson has to play turnover free ball, and he has to continue his streak. He's had... 100 rushing yards in each of his first three starts for Florida this season, despite not throwing a passing touchdown. I think he's got to get 100 yards in the ground, control the clock, limit what Hendon Hooker can do offensively. But he's also got to throw a passing touchdown for the first time and literally have zero turnovers in Nayland Stadium, which can turn into a loud energy environment if Florida gets down by as even as little as a field goal that place can be a different animal compared to anything and any environment Anthony Richardson's played in. 110,000 people. I think only Happy Valley and Ann Arbor have bigger stadium capacities in college football. Maybe Alabama as well, but Tennessee is just... It is a completely different environment compared to your average college football stadium. I've been there a few times with my family. So, yeah. Okay. I, I'm going to look up some of the games here. Um, Arkansas, Texas A&M. Yeah, that's I the other game. game. Yeah. Texas A&M got back on track. Victory against Miami. The Aggies must generate a game against Arkansas. This is going to be... Wild game in the SEC. Um, KJ Jefferson, I'm really, uh, is in this game. I'm really down. see. Arkansas going to have a close win here. They're going to pull it off and be very impressive. Stay in the top 10. I'm going to say 28 to 24. Yeah, Texas A&M beat Miami, Florida 24 to 7, but they really didn't pull away until the fourth quarter when Miami muffed a punt by fumbling a punt return, and Miami missed a field goal. Tyler Van Dyke avoided interceptions in the game, but he struggled to manipulate the defense with his eyes. And Tyler Van Dyke, quarterback for the Miami Hurricanes, he's one of the top five quarterbacks in this year's NFL draft. I was watching the Miami-Texas A&M game to scout Tyler Van Dyke, but the reason he was struggling on third down conversions is because his roommate, who's the number one receiver on Miami, was injured. His top two receivers from last year went to the NFL and the right tackle was injured, so they moved the left tackle over to right tackle. But Texas A&M won the game. But they didn't dominate offensively enough to pull away in this game. And, you know, this is a team that lost to Appalachian State two weeks ago. So how are they going to do against Arkansas on a neutral field? If K.J. Jefferson and this Arkansas squad plays like they did a year ago, we could be easily looking at Arkansas being undefeated once again heading into their showdown against Alabama. So that's huge for Arkansas. Whereas if Texas A&M wins, that's going to give them an advantage over Arkansas. But I really feel like this game more, and this is the game that's going to decide who finishes behind Alabama in the SEC West. I took A&M in the preseason, but I'm kind of leaning Arkansas now. But I'll, 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 since we've agreed on every game so far, I'll take Texas A&M for the hell of it. 21-20 Aggies. Um, yeah. Then there's a few other games. I mean, USC plays an undefeated Oregon State team, and I think there's one other game. There's um, yeah, I, Ohio I, I, State, I want, Wisconsin. Let's go over to USC because... Uh, they're my local uh, region here. Yeah, because Wisconsin-Ohio State's not really a fun game. Wisconsin lost to Washington State. They're going to Columbus. That's going to be an Ohio State win. We really don't need to break that down, even though the Buckeyes are one of my favorite college football teams to watch. We really don't need to break that down, whereas USC is undefeated. They've got a Heisman frontrunner, Caleb Williams, and they're headed to Corvallis because Oregon State's 3-0. Oh, go ahead. 
Oregon State looks very impressive. They won Fresno State. I mean, they beat up on a team last week. Um, was it Montana State? They won Boise State. So they got two impressive wins right now. Uh, USC, you know, they're ranked number seven. Oregon State's not ranked, but they got the same record. And guess what, folks? They played one of the same teams. They both won Fresno State. USC seemed more dominant. Um, they already USC already played a conference uh, a team, Stanford. They beat them up. So they also had a cheesy uh, uh, team that they played um, in the first game, Rice. But anyhow, um, I just feel that this is going to be a close game. I think USC will still pull it off, but it will show. Uh, how deep the Pac-12 still is um, if Oregon State can really cut it close, and I think they will be impressive. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 30 to 27 USC. I am picking the Trojans, but here's the thing: last year Oregon State went into the LA Coliseum and defeated the Trojans. That's what led to Clay Helton getting fired. It's what led to Lincoln Riley being the new coach at Southern California, USC now. And, you know, the players that were on that USC team last year when they lost to Oregon State, they still remember that defeat. And trust me when I say they want to run the score up on the Beavers. Question is, will they? That remains to be seen. Oregon State's getting a brand new stadium next season. I, they're not getting a new stadium. They're renovating the current one, but it's going to look more modern. There's going to be more seats available. It's going to be bigger in size. It, the outside of the stadium is going to look more modern and gentrified, too. So they're renovating the current stadium for next year. But, you know, I think USC is going to win this game. I'm going 30-27. to 27. I think it's going to be a, a game that's actually decided by a field goal. And if Caleb Williams has multiple turnovers... I think the Beavers could maybe potentially steal this game. This might be the one game outside of Utah where USC might be in a situation where a challenge presents them. Because I thought Stanford was going to challenge them, and Stanford got blown out by USC. And that's the thing. is USC, I think, uh, also wins. I'm going to cut it close. 35-30. Uh, but they beat up the Beavers last year, forty-five to twenty-seven. That was Oregon State that beat USC forty-five to twenty-seven. Yeah, Beavers routed the Trojans. I'm yeah. Sorry. yeah, I saw the game. I have a friend, Thomas Coburn. He's a huge Oregon State fan, and we were chatting about the Oregon State beating the crap out of USC last year. It was a blast. I don't think it happens again, though. I think Lincoln Riley makes a statement in Corvallis that USC. They've got a chance to be the Alabama of the Pac-12 until they transfer to the Big Ten, but that's another conversation for another day. I think right now they're going to do everything they can to try to win the Pac-12 this year and next year until they make the move to the Big Ten. Yeah, um, let's. Uh, I'm going to go one more game here and uh, for uh, I don't know if you brought it in there, but I, I like this game. Maryland at Michigan. Um, could Maryland impress us with a win over the Wolverines? They Maryland's intriguing. They have a few guys. They have Tua's little brother at quarterback. They've got a left tackle in Jalen Duncan, who's actually... I have a third-round grade on him in my mock draft. And they've got a receiver named, Rake- named Jarrett. So their offense is dynamic. They also have... Two returning starters at corner, but those corners got picked apart by Ohio State last year. Nick Cross was the only decent player on Maryland's defense against Ohio State, but Michigan has blown out all of their non-conference opponents, and sophomore quarterback J.J. McCarthy is playing like a 2024 first-round pick with how he's uh, played so far. He's probably Caleb Williams' competition for quarterback one in the 2024 draft. Not this year's upcoming draft in 2023, but the one after that. So I, I, I really do like Michigan in this game over Maryland. 
but I'm gonna take the um, I'm gonna take the Wolverines, and I've got one more college game I'd like to discuss after this, and that is uh, Stanford versus Washington. You might not think much of that game, but Washington's undefeated. They're hosting Stanford. I'm gonna take the Huskies in that, and I like the Buckeyes against Wisconsin. How do you feel about? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you could go on and on and on, but I'm just saying these games. I mean, I feel Washington will win. They'll be four, uh, four and zero. I don't think Stanford's really, uh, really that they're going to be uh, two and two, and that's it. But the pac is interesting right now because I didn't expect Washington State or Washington to be undefeated. And it'd be crazy if Washington State and Washington were the two last teams in the Pac-12 North that were undefeated heading into the Apple Cup. You had USC without a loss, and you had Washington State and Washington playing for the Apple Cup and the right to play USC in the Pac-12 championship. That, As a fan, I'm kind of rooting for that because I think that would be a great storyline for college football, and it would guarantee that one of the Pac-12 teams would make the playoff in that scenario. I don't know if it'll happen, but Washington State beat Wisconsin in East Lansing, and Washington knocked off unbeaten Michigan State last week after beating them in soccer the day before. So, you know, I'm really curious to see if either one of those Pac-12 teams in the state of Washington can step up and challenge Oregon for this conference, or Oregon State if they can take care of the Trojans. I think there's four teams in the Pac-12 North right now that may have a say in the Pac-12 championship race. And then in the Pac-12 South, you've got the two juggernauts, USC and Utah. And UCLA's unbeaten as well. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting right now. UCLA is playing and I was shooting. <laughs> Their stadium is empty. It, it, it's empty. It looks like uh, it looks like the Chargers Stadium. It looks like Qualcomm Stadium, not SoFi. It looks like Qualcomm Stadium. They're three and zero, but their stadium looks like Qualcomm Stadium. I know it's not really polite to say that to UCLA fans, but the truth hurts. It does. The truth hurts. All right. What? Let's get well, to the NFL well, the games. The thing is, a lot of the fans are disappointed about the whole uh, Big Ten thing. I don't think uh, that's uh, that's a whole other for a whole other day story type of thing. Um, but that's that's really the cause of it. Um, they're not they're not a USC. They have a different type of an alumni, and um, a lot of it uh, it has to do with that, Chris. Yeah, but they could always schedule some Pac-12 teams as non-conference opponents. They could schedule... That, that has nothing to do with it. That's that's football. It's a whole thing. They're one of the best... The play, uh, they have the best team in basketball. They're the top 10 basketball team. You forgot? They do have a great basketball program, and they've got a pretty respectable baseball and soccer program, too. Yeah, because UCLA has a good baseball and soccer program as well as their basketball program. But we're not going to get into all that right now. Let's let's get into our NFL picks for Week Three. Okay, let's let's try and wrap that that up. Maybe I'll talk about the QBs at the end and Aaron Judge, but let's let's just focus on the games. Let's do tomorrow's game because that's the most important uh, to get to. Yeah. I'm going to take the Steelers over the Browns. I think I got them in that uh, thing, 23-20. to 20. Steelers are uh, underdogs, believe it or not, but that's silly to say that. But anyway, let's do that. Impressive we have the same the score, Oren, except I have the Browns winning 23-20. to 20. But we have the exact same score. And okay. I agree. It's going to okay. be higher scoring than the experts think. The over-under is 38. I think there's going to be more scoring than the experts think, but it's going to be more field goals than touchdowns. And I just, I trust the Browns are getting Jack Conklin back at right tackle. TJ Watt is out. That's why I'm taking the Browns 23-20. to But it's going to be a close game, and I think we're in agreement. Whoever has the ball last probably is the best chance to end the game in regulation, whether it's the Steelers or the Browns. Okay, I'm going to try to 
uh, go through this stuff really quick because we did talk about the NFL. It's already All right. A bit. Next game's the Panthers um, and Saints, and I've got the Saints yeah, winning 23-21. Bears don't play the Saints. Bears play the Texans, buddy. No, I'm not talking about the Bears and the Saints. I'm talking about the Saints and the Panthers. That's the second game on my list. I have the Saints playing the Panthers, and then I have the Texans-Bears after that. You're, you you skipped a game, but whatever. Yeah. I'm taking the I'm taking your Saints over Carolina. I think Carolina yeah, drops Saints, to yeah, 0 Saints three. Saints over Carolina. Um, basically, the two uh, secondary quarterbacks will call them. Jamison Winston used to be on a different team. I'm going twenty three twenty one. The Saints are favored by three. I actually think the Panthers cover the spread, but the Saints are still going to find a way to win. Jameis Winston lost in Carolina last year. I don't see him losing in the same stadium two years in a row. I don't see him losing two in a row with this many weapons at wide receiver. But it's going to be a close game. Um, Texans-Bears. You, you love me. You love to, to talk over me, don't you, sometimes? I've got the Bears beating the Texans. I'm not going to explain don't, why. You don't let me finish. Go ahead. I'll, go ahead, Horn. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking, talk right over me, brother. Okay, sorry. I thought. All right, go ahead. Okay, I said this is a game between two secondary quarterbacks because they wouldn't be on the teams that they are on if uh, if uh, Tom Brady wasn't there. Baker Mayfield didn't have uh, didn't have to go from the Browns. But here they're starting in two different teams. Gotta let me be. Jamison Winston is playing Baker Mayfield. Panthers are have Baker Mayfield. Still not impressive to me. That's why they're going to lose. 24 to 17. I have the Saints winning. You didn't ask my score there. Thank you very much. Now you can move to your next game. All right. I've got 23-21. Orange got 24-17. Next game's Texans at Bears. I'm taking Chicago, and I'm going to keep my explanation as brief as possible because I just don't trust Davis Mills at quarterback, and I think that concerns about Justin Fields are being blown way out of proportion. I just think the Bears are a better overall team than the Texans. The Texans have one of the worst run defenses. I've got the same score as Orrin had for the last game. Bears 24, Texans 17. Go ahead. Okay, I'll keep your score 24-17. Um, Lovey Smith, this is a nice uh, uh, sort of a game for him. Um, I a Lovey uh, Smith homecoming, I like Justin it. Justin Fields, uh, go ahead. No, I was just saying Lovey Smith homecoming, I like that. Um, go ahead, yeah. Orin. Justin Fields, this is a desperate sign they need to cut him loose a little. Houston has some, shown some fight the last two weeks, but nothing very impressive. Ultimately, Texas will fail in this game, and that's why we both had the same score, 24-17 here. Uh, what do you want to go Next to? Next game uh, on Draft Utopia is the Chiefs and the um, Titans. Only lock of a week. I've messaged every employee on the site their predictions, and the only game all 11 members of our staff agreed on was the Chiefs and Colts. And I've got the Chiefs winning by two touchdowns, 34-20. to 20. Why do I have the Colts scoring 20 on Kansas City? Well, they're getting Michael Pittman back from an injury. They scored 20 on the Texans in Week 1 with Pittman in the lineup. They didn't have him in Week 2 against Jacksonville. They got shut out. They're getting him back. I think they could score 20 on the Chiefs with Trent McDuffie injured, but Kansas City's just clicking offensively right now. They're not going to be Matt Ryan's not going to be able to keep up with Mahomes. I'm going 34-20 Chiefs. Go ahead, Orrin. Yeah, I mean here you go Mahomes versus Matt Ryan. You're thinking, oh wow, good game. Nah, nah. Matt Ryan's not as good as he used to be. I just it's not, he's not the same. Mahomes is still that young. It's just Colts got that little woe this season, and and Kansas City got the TD power. I just keep it's gonna keep it rolling here. Thirty-one twenty, Chiefs win. Yeah, and the Colts left tackle Matt Pryor has allowed five sacks in the first two games of the season. The only other left tackle that's done just as worse is the Bengals left tackle Jonah Williams. But I'm gonna save that rant. Let's get to the game of the week, the game between the two 
2-0 franchises, the Bills and the Dolphins. Dolphins have less injuries than the Bills, but I just think the Bills have a more talented team. I'm going 35-28 Bills over the Dolphins. Yeah, Dolphins can pull off an upset like we kind of spoke earlier about. Tua is looking very, very impressive. Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, we spoke about that. But to tell you the truth, Josh Allen and company, no problem against Miami here. Control the game. I don't think uh, it's. I still think it's going to be a close game because Dolphins look very impressive the last two games. But I still think the Bills control this game, thirty-five to twenty-seven. Yeah, the Vikings play the Lions on short rest. They are, it is a home game for Minnesota, and that's really the only reason I'm taking the Vikings. I think the Vikings are also have less injuries than the Lions. But the Lions are getting center Frank Ragno back, and the Lions just had a statement win against the Commanders. Amon Ross St. Brown, I think he can get 100 yards of Patrick Peterson, but I just think the Vikings are the better team, and I think Dalvin Cook is due for a 100-yard game on the ground. He hasn't had one yet against Green Bay or Philadelphia. I think Dalvin Cook is due for a 100-yard day on the ground. You saw the Eagles get over 100 rushing yards and the Lions, even though none of their running backs had 100 yards. I just think Cook's due for a 100-yard game, so I'm going to take the Vikings 31-27. Lions actually play well enough offensively to cover the spread. You mentioned Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator. I think they actually cover the six-point spread, but they lose 31-27. Vikings win and improve to 2-1. and one. Take it away. Yeah. You have the Lions. They're pretty impressive with Jared Goff. Um, and, you know, playmakers, Swift and Brown. Uh, but I feel that, I mean, it wouldn't be surprise me if Detroit's uh, defense could hold Kirk Cousins and Jeff, Justin Jefferson. It would not surprise me. This is a fun NFC North matchup, but I still see the Vikings, like you do, beating the Lions. But I think I put the Lions on my list, right, Winnie? Yeah. You have the Lions at 14 and the Vikings at 10 on your power rankings at the beginning of the show. So, yeah. Ravens play the Patriots. I was originally going to pick the Patriots, but, you know, the Ravens have Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters back at quarterback. It was their first game back from injuries last week. And while blowing a 35-14 lead is seen as inexcusable, Patriots do not have a receiver with the speed. They have guys who can run routes like Waddle and Hill, but they don't have a receiver that can take the top off like either one of those guys. So I think the Rave, that's going to work in Baltimore's favor. And the new roster additions of Jason Pierre-Paul, who humiliated the Patriots in Super Bowl forty-six, and Blake Martinez, I think those roster additions are going to actually help the Ravens out defensively. And I just think Baltimore is a better team right now than New England is. I'm going 27-20 Ravens. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick with your Ravens here. Um, I just don't feel that the uh, Patriots haven't re- impressed me this year as much. So for the Ravens and the New England, I'm just going to have a close game, 27-24. All right. Next game is the Bengals and Jets. It's the only other game I've typed a write-up on, so I'll probably quickly pick the winners after this. I'm going 31-3 Bengals. Burrow's deleted all of his apps. He has not deleted his social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. He's just deleted the apps so that he cannot use them during football season. I think the Bengals win 31-3. Well, they're having a Super Bowl hangover. And in fact, Young Burrow been sacked 13 times in the last two games. He's on pace to be He's sacked 111 sacked times. It's going to be closer than people think. Um, but the third game for two teams that are 0-2 are going to win the game. And one of them being the Bengals. The other one we haven't spoke about yet. So the Bengals are going to win 27-20. to 20. 
Yep, there's eight games left, and there's only like six there's minutes and more, 20 uh, seconds on Anchor. One o'clock game. There's two one o'clock games. That, but we're going to get to the one o'clock game with the two winless teams. Uh, They're the two winless teams, the 0-2 Raiders, 0-2 Titans. I'm taking Raider Nation to get their first win because left tackle Taylor Luan got carted off with an injury against the Bills. Some are saying that Luan will be cleared to play. Others are saying it's season-ending. Luan did not speak with the media today after two days of MRIs after being carted off against the Bills. I think not having him at left tackle affects Derrick Henry's ability to get 1,000 yards on a consistent basis. Perriman's not practicing for the Raiders either, but the Raiders just have so much depth at defensive tackle that I don't think it'll matter. Um, I like the Raiders in this one. I'll go 21 to 20 Raiders. Maybe the Raiders get 28. I, I, I just think the Raiders are going to get a win here, and Josh McDaniels is going to beat um, Mike Vrabel, two Belichick disciples in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, uh, both teams are really in a desperation mode. The difference between the two teams is the Titans really trying to impress, but the Raiders got off. They looked impressive. And for some reason, the last two minutes of the Cardinals game, something out of God's will got loose. Nothing to do with the car, no matter what the Raider fans say. It's nothing to do with your quarterback, buddy. It's just, can't fumble the ball in the last two minutes. You can't give up a two-point conversion and think you're going to win the game. It's simple that. It is the NFL. It ain't college. That's not going to happen against the Titans. They're going to come with a new attitude, be very impressive. I actually think they're going to have a nice big win over these guys. 31-20. to 20. Raiders are back in business after this win. They won't be under, they won't be 0-3, uh, I think, 1-2. Yeah, and the Titans just have too many injuries. Luan's injured. Um, Harold Landry had 12 sacks last year is out for the season. And their number one corner, Christian Fulton, is out. Who, without him, the Titans had no answer for Stephon Diggs. Now they have to face a bigger body target, Devontae Adams. I think all those variables work in the Raiders' advantage. Final 1 p.m. game features the Eagles and Commanders. So, I'm going to... Is this a joke game, or... Uh... It is in Washington, uh, D.C. It is the Carson Wentz hopes to get revenge game. And the key word is yeah. hopes. He hopes to get revenge on the team that drafted him. Wentz is going to have another back-to-back 300-yard game. But he's going to lose. He's going to lose. Defense with Chase Young. Why not? Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, but Jalen Hurts will be impressive. Eagles win 28-24. I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. I'm going to... I might go with... Yeah, I might... I would, I'm tempted to go 31-30, but I, I, I think a more realistic score is 28-23 Eagles. Or 28-24. 28-24 Eagles. That'll be my official prediction. All right. The one... We'll start. We'll try to get through a few 405 games. Might have to start a second recording on Anchor. It's down to like under a minute and a half. But okay, first, let's just do the scores and the winners because I'm getting tired too myself, bro. Yeah. Okay. Jaguars, Chargers. I'm taking the Chargers to win that game. Uh, only one person picked the Jaguars, and that person will explain why on Saturday, 35-14, Herbert Chargers win. Chargers 30-20. Chargers, Jaguars are not going to win because Chargers is going to fall. An AFC West battle, they're, they're right back in where they should be. Only thing to worry about is Herbert 100%. If he is, great, easy win. Um, yes, Doug Peterson is the new coach for the Jacksonville, but uh, if Herbert can go, there's no way that Chargers are going to lose it. All right, I've got the Rams beating the Cardinals 35-4. to as well that's not a joke that's my actual score i've got both la teams winning 35 14 
Yeah, I'm not gonna give you the score for the Rams, but I'm gonna say Sean McVay is ten and one against the Cardinals. You really think the Rams are gonna lose this game? I doubt it. There you go. Falcons Seahawks no care game of the year. It's in Seattle. I like Atlanta to win this game. Oh no, it's Seattle. I'm taking Seattle. I'm not taking Atlanta. I like Seattle to win this game over Atlanta, 24 to 16, as it's one of the last four games on the slate. Um, and I just think Charles Cross. He looked good in Week One. I think he's going to get back to that dominant form. I like Seattle's offensive line. They got Kenneth Walker back last week. I think Seattle wins this game against Atlanta. I don't trust the Falcons at all. Yeah, I mean, I, Seattle is at home, 24-21, Falcons. It's nothing impressive here. Geno Smith, another second-string uh, quarterback in my eyes. Mariota, another second-string quarterback in my eyes. So Seattle does get the victory here over the Falcons. And then we go to a big game where the number one and the number two quarterback overall are playing. The Packers and the Buccaneers, you got to love this game. Top matchup of the year as far as I'm concerned. Who do you like in this game? It is the number one and number two NFC quarterbacks. I have got Green Bay winning this game, and I've got them winning a rematch in the NFC Championship because I just look at Green Bay, Alexander, Stokes, Douglas in the nickel, Amos and Savage are at safety. I like Smith and um, Rashawn Gary at outside linebacker. Campbell and Walker did well in Week 1, kind of took a step back in Week 2, but I don't think that's going to hurt them long term. You've got Lowry, Clark, Jerron Reed on this defensive line. I, I just look at Green Bay. I think this is the most complete team Green Bay's had since they won Super Bowl forty five. But Bakhtiari, he's still not back yet, but everybody else is healthy right now. And the Buccaneers aren't going to have Mike Evans or Godwin in this one. They're not going to have three starters on the offensive line. They might keep this game low scoring, but I'm taking the Packers 24-21. Uh, I'll keep your score for fun. I've never been impressed with the Buccaneers anyway, and I don't like Tom Brady for some reason. But you picked them to win on the uh, site. I did pick the Bucks. So you'll keep the score, but you'll you'll go with the Bucks instead of the Packers. All right. 49ers head to Denver to take on the Broncos. Um, I did pick Denver earlier in the week. But I'm changing that officially because the Broncos just have too many injuries. Jerry Judy's injured. Patrick Sertan is injured. They placed Justin Simmons on IR after week one. So they're not going to... And Simmons and Sertan are their two best players in the secondary. And Kittle's coming back from his injury too. So how are they going to stop Kittle or Debo Samuel without Justin Simmons or Patrick Sertan? I just don't know if they can. And... Maybe giving the 49ers 23 points instead of uh, 20 is a little too generous on my end. What do you think, Orrin? I think the Niners are going to win, though. They don't have their number one or number two running back. Elijah Mitchell's out. Tyrion Davis-Price is out. But I don't think that's going to matter because I think with Sertan and um, with Sertan and Simmons injured, I think that actually works in... San Francisco's favor because Geno Smith threw touchdowns on Kareem Jackson, Ronald Darby, despite Simmons and Sertan playing well. They're, you're not going to have those guys, and you're going to have to deal with Kittle and Debo Samuel. So I think the Niners win. I could be, I could be, 23 might be not be enough points to give San Francisco. What's your input here? Yeah, I have San Francisco winning this game. I'm going to stick with San Francisco as well. I think that's who I picked. I'm going to have an impressive uh, victory for them. I am going to say probably uh, 24 to 20 San Francisco wins. All right. So Oren's got the Niners getting one more point than myself. Monday Night Football, it's the 1-1 one one Cowboys. Cooper Rush hopes to become 3-0 as a starter. In order for Cooper Rush to become 3-0 as a starter, he's got to get by the 2-0 New York Giants, who are aiming to become 3-0 themselves. Um, 
I was going to go Giants 30, Cowboys 0, but I'm going to give the Cowboys 10 points. I'll go 30 to 10, New York Giants. They actually score 30 points on an opponent for the first time this season. And they're going to be wearing their white uniforms. The Cowboys are going to be wearing blue. And there's going to be a whiteout at MetLife Stadium on Monday night. Yeah. I I, I just don't uh, see... Uh, I don't see that happening um, as far as Dallas winning. I'd take so the I Giants, Orton. Yeah. T-Man do win. And, um, but this is the peak for the Giants. 24 to 10. This is the peak for the Giants. They start 3 and 0. They're probably going to finish 5 and 11, 5 and 12, or 6 and 11. <laughs> this is the peak. You're 3 0 heading into October. Congratulations. You're last year's Denver Broncos. You're last year's Carolina Panthers. Good for you, New York. This is the peak for New York Giants fans, like Brian Bayless, who does a great job messaging us picks on draft utopia for the picks page but this is the peak for giants fans anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up this show thank you so much for calling in we did a good job i'll break down the top 20 quarterbacks on saturday morning's podcast but i want to thank Oren for taking time out of his day to call in and i think we got everything covered yeah i'm good all you right. guys have a great night. Great talking to you guys, and uh, watch a Thursday night game. It should be a fun game to watch. All Take right. Bye-bye. Get some sleep, Orin. Yep. <laughs> that was Orin Sheary of NFL Draft Insiders. I'm Chris Ransom of Draft Utopia. Still got eight write-ups to do, and I need to get some sleep. So see you guys later. Enjoy week three in the NFL.